Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Hey guys, want to welcome you to Liquid Church. Pastor Tim here. I would ask you to pray for me today. I am flying back from Amsterdam and Africa. We have been on the road and uh, last week so glad that you were able to hear from Pastor Rich Velotis of New Life Fellowship Church. We've been really blessed by Pastor Rich's teaching here in our series Inside Out, which is all about emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, Pastor Rich is here again today to close out our series called Inside Out. And then next week I'll be here to kick off our new series called Pray. Does your prayer life need a reboot, a jump start? Let me do that for you next week. But in the meantime, I'll ask you to take out your notes today. We're going to part three of our series, Inside Out. You're going to be learning about silence and solitude and how to cultivate an emotionally healthy uh, spiritual life with God. So would you give a big liquid welcome to Pastor Rich Velotis? All right. Thank you, Liquid. You guys are stuck with me. One more Sunday. All right. Um, it is really a joy to be back with you guys. Uh, and first of all, I want to just say thank you for your gracious and kind hospitality. You guys have an amazing uh, volunteer team, amazing staff, and after every service last week and today, uh, I've been really gracious and hospitable with me, so it's been a real joy to be with you uh, here in Joyzee. Uh, and so um, we've been on a series uh, looking at Inside Out, and uh, we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality. And by this time, I hope you've seen the movie. Uh, I hope you have seen the movie. If you haven't, Watch the movie, right? Uh, it's centered around an 11-year-old girl named Riley who's moving from Minnesota to go to San Francisco with her family. And in this move, it's really bringing to the surface a lot of the, the trauma, and her emotions are all over the place there with anger and with fear and disgust and sadness and with joy. And so for the past few weeks, we've been talking about the role that emotions play in our spirituality. Two weeks ago, Tim began us kicked us off talking about the God who feels, that God is a God who's not indifferent, who's cold, who's far removed from us. God is a passionate God who feels. And last week, because we're made in the image of God, I talked about what does it look like for us to look beneath the surface of our lives to encounter God through our emotions. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're, talk we're going to focus on the out part of Inside Out. So the last two weeks, we've been talking about Inside Today, we're going to talk about the out part. And as I mentioned, emotionally healthy spirituality is really about two things. It's about paying attention to our inner space and our outer pace, our inner space and our outer pace. And today, we're going to focus on our outer pace uh, through what's called the discipline of Sabbath keeping, the discipline of Sabbath keeping. And so before we get into the details of what Sabbath keeping is, really there are three people in this room, three kinds of people in this room. There's some of you that have never heard about Sabbath keeping, and so for you, this is going to be very new. The second kind of person in this room is someone maybe you've heard of Sabbath keeping, maybe even experimented with it, but you said, this is not something I can do and sustain, and so you said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And the third kind of person is someone that maybe you are practicing and maybe you are growing, but you realize you can grow deeper. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I believe God wants to speak to us very profoundly this morning. And so uh, I want to say in 30 minutes or so, it's going to be impossible to talk about all the nuances and the complexities of something like Sabbath keeping. So we have a resource available called emotionallyhealthy.org. 
And on that website, there's so much content as it pertains to what does it look like to practice the Sabbath. So I want to encourage you to check that out if you're interested in learning more and exploring more. And so uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Um, You can hold on to your place for a moment. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's invite him to speak to us as we enter into this passage today. Lord, thank you for um, gathering us in this place, and I pray that you would visit us by the power of your spirit in fresh ways as I teach through scripture. Lord, give us eyes to see you, give us ears to hear you, give us a heart to receive every good gift you have for us today. Lord, open our eyes so that we may see what you want us to see. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. There's a story the Greeks told about a king named Sisyphus who had become very uh, good at deception. And so as a result of his schemes, as a result of his deception, the punishment for this king Sisyphus was he was to roll a stone up a hill uh, over and over, and only to the point when he got up to the top of the hill, the gods had enchanted the stone so that when he got to the top of the hill, the stone would roll down again. And he, next morning, he would have to get up and try to do it again, roll it up, roll it up, roll it up. He'd get to the top, and it would roll back down again. One day, he was like, you know, this is the day I deceive the gods. This is the day I get this rock over the hill. He would bring it to the top, bring it to the top, bring it to the top, and it'd roll down again. And over and over every single day for eternity, as it were, he would roll up this stone only to have it fall back down. Now, you and I are never going to uh, roll a stone up a hill like King Sisyphus did, but you and I uh, know this feeling every time we do laundry, every time we do laundry. Have you ever done laundry and a couple of hours later, a day later, two days later, you realize, how is it possible that this many clothes got dirty in this short amount of time, and then you're back doing laundry again. Many of us know this uh, as it pertains to doing dishes, especially you have children in the house doing dishes. You wash the dishes, you dry the dishes, you put the dishes away, and two hours later, how is it possible that 37 cups and 23 plates are back in the sink again, and you have to do it over and over again? We know this feeling when we respond to our emails, that you empty your email inbox. You, you had 300 waiting for you. You deleted 150 without even knowing. You just ignored other people. You responded to who you wanted to respond to. You empty the email inbox. You turn around for a couple of minutes, and six and seven more emails are there, and you have to do it over and over again. I have two children, a six-year-old and a one-year-old. I have to feed them all the time, and I think... <laughs> Didn't you just eat? Why do you want to eat again? And over and over and on and on it goes. All of us, to one degree or another, have experienced the frustration of having to do something over and over again. This is the nature of our work. Work never seems to be done. Just because the work never stops doesn't mean that we can't stop our work. And this is why we need the gift of the Sabbath. And so out of this uh, teaching today, I want to give you really this core idea. I want to explore this core idea, and it is this here, that we don't keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath keeps us. Let's all say that together. We don't keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath keeps us. If we can get this central truth in the deepest part of our being, it'll change the way we work, it'll change the way we are, relate to other people, it'll change the way we relate 
to God. We see this truth here explored in Exodus chapter 20. And this message is for everyone, whether you're a student, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a business manager, wherever you are, this is for you. Exodus chapter 20, hear the reading of God's word. This is what it says. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, that's like your employees, nor your animals, nor chihuahuas, your goldfish, no one doing any work, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. When we read Exodus 20, there are two important things to know right off the bat. These are the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses for the people of God. And there are two things that we need to know immediately or else we're going to miss the intent of the Ten Commandments. The first is this. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he gave them not as a means of their salvation, but as a result of their salvation. And that's really important to know. God didn't say, hey, if you obeyed all the Ten Commandments, then I will set you free from Egypt. He didn't do that. He set them free from Egypt out of his love and his grace and then said, now that you're free, there's a new way that I want you to live in the world. And it's really important that that order gets there. We are rescued by God and then he says, this is a new way of living in the world as opposed to saying, you better live a new way and then I will rescue you. The way of religion is, I will do and then God will respond. No, no, the way of the gospel is God has done and then I respond out of the grace of of God. And so when God gives the Ten Commandments, it's done to show the world what a redeemed people are to look like. That's the first thing it's important to know. The second thing is important to know about the Ten Commandments is the proportion of the commandments. If you notice, the Sabbath commandment, there's a lot of words that were attached to that commandment. And the other commandments just says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not covet, do not bear false witness. But with the Sabbath commandment, it is a lot of commentary. Why is there so much commentary in the Sabbath? Well, rabbis believe, many rabbis have taught, that if you cannot understand the gift of the Sabbath and the commandment of the Sabbath, you're not going to be able to do any of the other commandments either. And I'll explain why in a moment. The question, though, is why is there so much, why does this take up so much space? And here is what I think is happening. For 400 years, the people of God had one identity and one identity only. They were slaves. And the job of slaves was to work. Their very existence was predicated on their ability to work. If you could not work, you were not fit to live. Some of us come from families like that. You better get a job or else why are you here? You know, just like, why do you even exist? Get a job, you know, and, and pay something, you know. And so they lived for 400 years with that kind of message. If you don't work, you're not fit to live. Rene Descartes, the famous philosopher, coined the term, I think, therefore I am. The Jewish people, the people of God, had their own phrase. It looked like this, I work, therefore I am. Their very existence was based on their ability to work. If they could not work, why do you even exist? And this is what our identity is based on, this right here. I work, therefore I am. And our society knows, knows this all too well. And you in this room, I know you know this all too well. 
Because from a, a very early age, we are ingrained, it, it, something is ingrained in us of the need to work. When children are four and five years old, one of the questions we ask them is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when we ask that question, we're not asking, what kind of character qualities do you want to exude? What kind of virtues? No, we want, what do you want? What kind of job do you want? What kind of career do you want to do? And from five years old, we're asking them, what do you want to do when you grow up? Now, the idea of work is, uh, Scripture teaches that work is a, a good thing. Work is a good thing. Uh, work came before sin entered into the world. I know some of you believe that your job is the result of sin coming into the world. That is not the case. That is not the case. God created work, and then sin enters into the world, taints work, mars work, somehow distorts the good creation of work, but work was created to be a good thing. The problem that many of us face is not necessarily in our work, although some of you experience that. The problem that we face is in our overwork. Our overwork. Our overwork becomes a powerful force that disconnects us from our, our relationship with God. And it is safe to say that our overwork, for many people in this room, many people in this church, many people in this country, many people in this world, this obsession with work has made us violent people. Now, many of you probably say, Rich, I'm not violent. I, I, don't, I, I, I never hurt anyone. And when you think of violence, there are images that come to mind of war, of riots. But I want to give you another image of violence. When we work over and over and we overwork, the kind of violence that we're doing is we're doing violence against our souls. And most of the violence against our souls ends up into violence against other people. I like how Wayne Mueller has said it, an author. He writes these words. He says, a successful life has become a violent enterprise. We wake, we wake war on our bodies, pushing them beyond their limits. How many of you have done that? You pushed your body beyond your limits. War on our children because we cannot find enough time to be with them when they are hurt and afraid and need our company. War on our spirit because we are too preoccupied to listen to the quiet voices that seek to nourish and refresh us. War on our communities because we are fearfully protecting what we have and do not feel safe enough to be kind and generous. War on the earth because we cannot take the time to place our feet on the ground and allow it to feed us to taste its blessings and give thanks. Most of us are way too overworked, and as a result, we are violent people doing violence against our souls, violence against other people as well. And how do I know this? I know this because of the customary response to a very simple question of, of how are you doing? If you ask anyone, nine times out of ten, hey, how's it going? The vast majority of the time, we're going to say, busy. How's it going? Busy. And the reason we do that is two reasons. Number one, we want to preemptively let you know, just in case you're about to ask me for a favor, no. What do you want? Busy. Hey, man, how's it going? What's going on? Busy. What do you want? Oh, can I get some gum? I'll give you some gum. What else do you want? That's it. Oh, why didn't you just tell me that? And so before you ask me for a favor, I want to let you know I can't help you out. That's the first reason we say we're busy. The second reason we say we're busy is because we're busy. We have a lot of stuff that we're doing, whether it's paid work or whether it is unpaid work. And so the way that we deal with our busyness, the secret sauce that we believe will lead us into an emotionally healthy life is we believe that a way to a joyful, emotionally healthy life is by taking vacation, is by taking vacation. And you soon find out that vacation, uh, taking vacation is not sustainable to lead you into an emotionally healthy life. There's actually two kinds of rhythms that we talk about. There's a, se a se secular rhythm and a 
sacred rhythm. The secular rhythm looks like this here. Work, 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 work. Vacation. Thank you, God. Work, 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 work. Vacation. Thank you, God. Work, 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 work. Vacation. But you and I know that this is not sufficient to experience a joyful, uh, full, emotionally healthy life. So much so that some person coined the, ter- the term uh, the post-vacation blues. That after vacation, you are just depressed for a couple of reasons. One, you're going back to work. You don't want to work there. You're, I got to go back to work. The second reason is you thought it was going to be replenishing and you need a vacation from the vacation that you just took. It is the post-vacation blues. But there's another way of living. And the other rhythm is really a sacred rhythm, a Sabbath rhythm, in which there is, we Sabbath, we rest. And out of that Sabbath, we work, and we Sabbath, and we work, and we Sabbath, and we work. What many of us need in this room is not just a vacation. What we need is an ongoing weekly rhythm of pausing, stopping, resting to be with God. And so our struggle with overwork is an ancient struggle. And because it's an ancient struggle, we need ancient wisdom. And God has given us the gift of the Sabbath as ancient wisdom to lead us into a robust, spiritually mature, emotionally healthy life. At the heart of the Sabbath, we don't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps us. Now, what is a Sabbath? This is a definition that, uh, that I've coined here. A Sabbath is very simply a 24-hour period with no have-tos or shoulds which results in deep rest and renewal. 24-hour period, a literal 24-hour period, a container, a protector of, of your week, which, with no have-tos or shoulds, which results in deep rest and renewal. Our family, we take our Sabbath from 6 p.m. on Friday night to 6 p.m. on Saturday night. Many folks in our church take Sabbath from 6 p.m. Saturday night to 6 p.m. Sunday night. Some do it, have to do it during the week because of their work schedules, but it's a 24-hour period with no have-tos. No shoulds, which results in deep rest and renewal. Now, throughout church history, there have been three kinds of ways of seeing the, the, the Sabbath. The first way of seeing Sabbath is we have seen Sabbath through the lens of legalism. That Sabbath is a reminder of all the things that you cannot do. It's a Sabbath, you better not do that. It's a Sabbath, you better not look there. It's a Sabbath, you better not go there. It's a Sabbath, you better not talk to that person. And so the Sabbath was limiting, restricting, legalistic. The other end is not Sabbath as legalism, a Sabbath as irrelevant, where we say, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. Ah, later for that. Jesus has done away with that. And so on one end, it's legalism. On the other end, it's irrelevant. Where we want to go is right in the middle, where the Sabbath is a spiritual formation practice, a spiritual formation discipline that anchors us in the love of God, anchors us in rest, anchors us in trust. Because ultimately, the Sabbath points to two things. The Sabbath points to a person. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. That's what the book of Hebrews says. Jesus is our Sabbath. If you want to experience true rest, give your life to Christ. Give your heart to Christ. He is the one that gives us deep, abiding, true rest. And so the Sabbath points to a person and the Sabbath points to a practice. And the practice is an intentional 24-hour period with no have-tos, no shoulds, which results in deep rest and renewal. And ultimately, it teaches us how to trust. Ultimately, Sabbath is an invitation to a life that is not dominated or distorted by overwork. It teaches us to trust. And the degree to which you're able to trust is the degree to which you're able to rest. The degree to which you're able to trust 
is the degree to which you're able to rest. How do I know that? Because I've been on airplanes before, and you've been on airplanes. If you don't trust the pilot, if you don't trust the airplanes, if you don't trust aerodynamics, when you get on the plane, you're going to have a hard time resting. Anytime a little bit of turbulence, what was that? Are this, is this thing going down or what? When there is no trust, there is no rest. If you've ever been in a car with someone, you didn't trust their driving, and you're in the passenger seat, and they get to the stop sign, you are breaking with them on the passenger seat. Hard. Well, slow, 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 slow down, slow down. You are anxious. Who's taking a nap? Nobody's taking a nap when you don't trust the person that's driving next to you. When there is no trust, there is no rest. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you don't trust your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife, there's not going to be any rest when they leave the house. Where are they going? Who are you seeing? Who just texted you? When there is no trust, there is no rest. And the same thing applies with our relationship with God. When there is no trusting in our relationship with God, there is no rest at all. So the Sabbath becomes a way of, of helping us, training us in trusting God. God, I trust that you'll take care of my needs. God, I trust that while I am resting, you are working. God, I'm going to trust, I'm going to let go of my, my compulsion to control everything. I'm going to acknowledge my illusion to control. I'm going to trust you. This is what the Sabbath is about. So how do we enter into it? The Sabbath is about a 24-hour period of no have-tos, no shoulds that result in deep rest and renewal. The Sabbath, at the core of it, reminds us that our fundamental identity is not in what we do, but who we are in relationship with. We are not human doings. We are human beings. But how do we enter into the Sabbath? How do we, what does it look like for a 24-hour period? What are you doing during those 24 hours? This is what I want to uh, lead you with today. I want to give you four words, four principles of Sabbath that help us to orient our lives in a way that experiences deep rest and trust in God. And four words, four simple words that I believe can change our lives. The first word of practicing Sabbath is the word stop. The word stop. In the Hebrew language, the word Sabbath literally means stop, cease, rest. In the book of Genesis, after God creates six days, he takes a Sabbath. He stops. And we are invited to stop our work as well. And so we are invited to stop our paid work and our unpaid work. There's a lot of unpaid stuff that we do that's work, laundry, dishes, shopping. We are invited to stop all the things that constitutes work, paid work and unpaid work. Stop. Reading and answering work emails, stop. Balancing the checkbook, stop. Going grocery shopping, if that gives you joy, go for it. If it's work for you, stop it. <laughs> Cooking, if that's joy for you, do it. If it's work for you, stop. Studying, stop it. I tell college students in our church all the time, take a Sabbath. Oh, you guys, I'm going to fail. No, you trust God. Trust God with your life. We are invited to stop. Stop the things that constitute regular work. It's a great story I heard of um, B&H, the great electronic company uh, in 34th Street in Manhattan. They are uh, second to Amazon in electronic sales, and they're a photography and electronic store. And one of the things you notice if you walk into their store is they are run by uh, Jewish folks. And one of the things that the B&H uh, owners and managers have uh, 
practice is a weekly Sabbath. That every day at 12, every Friday at 12 noon, they close up shop to prepare for the Sabbath that's going to begin at 6 p.m. for 24 hours. And so they close the door down. So if you want a camera, come back later. Not only do they close the door, but they also stop all online processing. So you can't even place an order online. One person heard about this and was blown away that they would even close their shop and close down online sales on Black Friday. They said, how, on the biggest shopping day of the year, how, why are you closing the store and shutting down uh, online processing as well? And so this person asked the communications director, how could you do this? And the communications director's response was very simple, because we respond to a higher authority. See you on Monday. I'll see you on Monday. We know you'll be back. We respond to a higher authority. What they're saying is this. Our lives are not oriented. Our lives are not dominated. Our lives are not identified by what we do. Our lives are dominated by who we are in relationship with. As a result, we're going to say no to our work for a specific period of time to cultivate this relationship with God in a very intentional way. And when we keep Sabbath, what we're saying is this. We are not human doings. We are saying no to the idols of work, no to the idols of performance, no to the idols of, 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 of accolades and what we can accomplish and saying yes to our relationship with God. That's what we're doing when we practice the Sabbath. We're saying that we are not human doings, we are human beings, and we respond to a higher authority. And so on the Sabbath for 24 hours, stop what constitutes work. And after every service today, people, oh, but Rich is so hard to stop. It's like getting off of drugs to stop working. It really is. But by the power of God, we can do it. The first word is stop. The second word, what does it mean to practice Sabbath keeping is the word rest. We're called to rest. The Hebrew word for rest and God rested is the word to exhale. Let's all together. Take a deep breath in and out. Wasn't that wonderful? One more time. Deep breath in and out. When's the last time you've done that? The Sabbath is a 24-hour period where we are and then exhaling, resting. The Sabbath is a day to be restored, a day to be replenished, a day to be released from the constraints of doing and working. And by resting, what we are saying is we are proving in a significant way, not only that we love God, but that we love ourselves, that we are stewarding the bodies and the souls that God has given us. And so we are to rest from busyness, rest from overwork, in the passage I read, and in Deuteronomy later on, we hear the Ten Commandments again in Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy 5, and what you notice is, is the reason they have a hard time stopping is because they are so accustomed to Pharaoh being on their back for 400 years. And you might not have a literal Pharaoh on your back, although your boss might feel like Pharaoh. All of us have an inner Pharaoh inside of us. Every single one of us in this room, we have something inside of us driving us that says, if you stop working, you are going to die. This is why so many people have a hard time with silence and not doing anything because our, we've been trained to be always doing something and we're missing out on so much that God wants to give us. And so on the Sabbath, we rest. We, we resist the powers and principalities of our world. We sleep in. We stop 
our rushing, our multitasking, we, we, we rest from all of that stuff. We drive on the right-hand side of the lane there, on the right-hand side of the lane. On the Sabbath, we rest from busyness. On the Sabbath, when we go to a restaurant, we actually wash our hands and we take the time to actually dry them as well. Most of the time when I'm at a restaurant or something, I wash my hands, and, and, and then it could be Tuesday or something, and, and I got no time for this. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go, you know? But on the Sabbath, everybody, no, no, no. On the Sabbath, you wash your hands, and then, and, and, and then, and then there's a line behind you, and then you go, it's the Sabbath, and then, That's the kind of life that God is inviting us to, a life that's not always rushing from one thing to the next, a life that's not uh, disjointed because of the pace of our lives. We stop our work and we rest. We do the things that bring us rest. But the third word is we also delight. We delight. If you notice in the book of Genesis, after God creates, it says, and God said, it is very good. God is delighting, rejoicing over what he's created. And so the Sabbath is a day of delighting. And if there's no delighting, it's probably not a biblical Sabbath. If the Sabbath is all about what you can't do, you're missing out on one of the core dynamics of Sabbath. And this is one of the biggest problems we have as we grow older. The older we become, the more delight deficient we become as well. Children have an inexhaustible um, well of joy and delight. You don't have to train children how to have fun. When I take my daughter to the playground, I don't say, now, Karis, here's how to play. You do this first, then you do this. No, no, she, something is inside. She's, she knows how to play, but the older we become, the more delight deficient we become as well. But Sabbath is a day of delighting. This is my daughter, Karis, a couple of years ago. And the Sabbath for us, we call it Sabbath at the Swings, Sabbath at the Swings. And uh, she, because we've trained our daughter and our one-year-old son at this point already, to, that Sabbath is not about just illegalism. Sabbath is about joy. Last week, she's six years old now, and she somehow, in her six-year-old mind, said, wait a minute, isn't today the Sabbath? And I said, it is. And she was ice cream. Yes. <laughs> playground. Yes. Because the Sabbath is a day of delighting. The Sabbath is a day to do, do the things that gives you life. And I noticed the older we become, the less we, we're more inclined to working than to cultivating the things that give me joy and give me life. In our church, there are many folks that they're, they're, they're practicing Sabbath, experimenting with Sabbath, and they're realizing, I'm finally writing music again. I'm doing art that I used to do before. I'm doing sports. I, I haven't done sports in a while. And we're saying, no, on the Sabbath, it's a day not just to stop and rest. It's a day of joy. It's a day of doing the things that bring you life. It's a day of being with family and friends and cultivating the things that bring you life. We are to delight. You ever notice on the Sabbath when Jesus healed people, Jesus always healed someone on the Sabbath. And he was, he was always 
the religious people are always so upset with him. And I'm just like, Jesus, why couldn't you just heal on Wednesday? Why did you always have to heal, heal on the Sabbath? And this is why I believe Jesus would always heal on the Sabbath, which would rub the, rub the religious leaders the wrong way. The reason he did it was because Jesus was saying, I'm giving you the intended uh, vision of what Sabbath is to be. Sabbath is a day of rest- restoration. Sabbath is a day of healing. Sabbath is a, is a day of renewal. Sabbath is a day of joy and delight. Therefore, I'm going to heal on the Sabbath to let you know this is what the Sabbath is all about. We stop. We rest. We delight. And finally, we contemplate. We contemplate. Now, I'm just giving you the tip of the iceberg here. There's so much more I could say. But hopefully this is whetting your appetite. But we contemplate. I love that um, to contemplate is not just to sit in a corner um, with your legs crossed, just mm, humming, although that might be nice. What contemplation really is, is paying attention to the invisible God through visible creation. You're paying attention to God, that God makes himself known to us through the materiality of the world through what's tangible, through what we can touch and feel and see. And we're paying attention, we're contemplating, where is God? And God reveals himself in powerful, profound ways through people. We're contemplating. We are attentive to the ways that God is moving. And so the Sabbath is not just a day off. The Sabbath is a day of worship. And so if you're at the pool, at the beach, but there's no awareness of the presence of God, then it's not really a Sabbath yet. But once you are aware of the presence of God, of the gifts of God, of the ways that God is speaking to you and trying to convey his love to you, now we're talking about Sabbath. Sabbath is a day of contemplation, a day of tasting our food, the Sabbath. Typically, when I eat, I, I put a shovel in my, my hand. I'm just, you're just this way here, just eating. And my wife goes, it's the Sabbath. Chew your food. Taste your food, honey. It's the, enjoy your food. It's the Sabbath. Enjoy. It's a day of contemplation. It's a day of seeing the visible God in our invisible, uh, the invisible God in our visible world. It's about stopping, resting, delighting, contemplating. Eugene Peterson has said that he summarizes Sabbath in two words, praying and playing. Praying and praying and playing. I like that. We are invited to this kind of life. Ultimately, the Sabbath is an invitation to trust. And the Sabbath is a response to a simple question that we all have to wrestle with every single day and every single week. And the question is this, who is in control of the world? Is it God or is it me? Who's running the world? Is it God or is it you? There's a great um, image that comes to mind near Rockefeller Center. Uh, Rockefeller Center is an image of, of Atlas with the world on his shoulders, bearing the weight of the world. And some of you today, this is your life. This is how you're feeling. Burdened by the responsibilities, the tasks, what's happening at home, what's happening at the office. You are just burdened by the work. Now, what's fascinating about this sculpture of Atlas is where Atlas is facing. In Rockefeller Center, Atlas is facing the church. 
he's facing St. Patrick's Cathedral. And you see a beautiful image there of Atlas with the, the burden of the world on his shoulders, facing the church. What, what's even more fascinating about what's inside the church, inside the church in this little room, we see an amazing contrast of what's happening with Atlas. We see an amazing um, juxtaposition. Atlas has the world on his shoulders, but inside one of the little rooms in St. Patrick's Cathedral, you see this, this little statue of third grade Jesus holding the world in his hand. Atlas is struggling with the world on his shoulders, and elementary Jesus <laughs> is just, the world is in his hand. It reminds me of Colossians that the Apostle Paul writes that in him, in Christ, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Who's holding the cosmos together? It's Jesus. And because Jesus is holding the world together through his death and through his resurrection, because he has it all together, I can let go for a while because he's holding it together. Who's really holding the world? Who's, who, is it me or is it God? Is it you or is it God? The Sabbath essentially says, step back. It's a day of be, reminding yourself who's really in control. It's not me. It's God. It's not you. It's God. Listen, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. You don't. You get to keep the Sabbath. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It's something we walk into and live into. And if your life is restless today, God wants to encounter you with the simple practice of rest. As we close, I want to invite the spiritual care team to come forward. And I want to close with this. Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. The people of God said, I work, therefore I am. What does the Christian say? What is the Christian to say? I believe the Christian is to say, I am loved by God, therefore I am. I am loved by God, therefore I am. And the beautiful thing about the Sabbath is I believe the Sabbath gives us, perhaps, the greatest picture of the gospel. And here's why. On the Sabbath, we accomplish nothing, and God loves us with an everlasting love. We do nothing, and God loves you with an everlasting love. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I imagine some of you in this place, you are, you're feeling pretty restless, maybe pretty anxious. Maybe there's certain things that are happening in your home. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your job just let you go. Maybe some financial problems, some health issues some depression, some anxiety, deep restlessness. Today, Jesus Christ wants to give you deep abiding rest as you trust him. And not only does he want to encounter you with his power and his love today, he wants to set you off to live a new kind of rhythm. Not the way the world lives, but the way those in his kingdom live. And so we have our, our spiritual care team up here. And if you realize today, if you say, Rich, I am tired, I'm exhausted, I'm burdened, and you need someone just to pray with you, 
to, to, to believe that God can set you free from the constraints of working and doing, from overwork. I want to invite you to come forward as we sing together, that the power of God would do something inside of you that you can't do on your own. And for some of us, we've been so addicted to doing that greater willpower is not going to change it, but the power of the Holy Spirit can, and in a moment. And so as we sing together, as we worship together, feel free to come up and receive prayer. I believe God wants to meet you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would set the captives free today. The chains that we live under, the chains that we've been in bondage to, I pray that you would break them in Jesus' name. That we'd experience deep freedom, deep rest in you. That we would experience deep trust in you. We can rest because we trust you, that you love us. That you are holding the world together even though we can't even understand it. We don't know how it's happening. You are holding not just the world together. You're holding our lives together as well. So teach us to let go and teach us what that looks like. Lord, I pray that you would um, set us free in deep and profound ways. May we leave this building different than the way we walked in through the power of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.